Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. This is the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program that's provided by Living Stream Ministry in Anaheim, California. In China in the early 1930s, two faithful servants of God in this century labored together until eventually Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the communists in 1952. Witness Lee escaped to Taiwan and eventually brought the ministry to the United States in 1962. Twelve years later, he began this life study of the Bible, and faithfully continued it until its completion in 1995. We're grateful to the Lord to be able to bring portions of those original recorded messages to you in this program. Ron Kangas has joined us today as we come to chapter 16 of the book of Romans. Ron, this is a wonderful message in our program today as we begin to look at the conclusion of the gospel of God. And I want to personally Welcome you back into the studio. Thank you for that. And we are about to be enlightened by a wonderful view of the conclusion to the book of Romans. So our listeners, get ready for a blessing full of life, light, and grace. Ron, as we mentioned to our listeners when we began the life study of Romans, This has been our initial look at the book, and we're going to come back after we finish with chapter 16 and begin to look at it once again more topically. We have about 25 programs left, and so we're not completely done, but this first course through the book has been much too fast and very full of light as we've gone. Ron, I just quoted Witness Lee in using the term, the conclusion of the gospel of God. What does he mean by this phrase? the gospel of God. And he also uses the expression, the consummation of the gospel of God. The phrase, the gospel of God, in the context of Romans, has two main significances. The first, the gospel is of God, indicating that God is the source, that all the content of this gospel is out from God himself. But the emphasis is on the second significance, and that is the book of Romans in its entirety is the complete gospel of God. Contrary to those who emphasize only certain sections in Romans, and as a result have an incomplete gospel, although what they have may be correct, in this life study, we have seen the completeness, the totality of the gospel of God, 
that began with sinners under God's righteous condemnation and ending in chapter 16 with churches composed of redeemed, justified, regenerated believers who are being transformed and built up. So the gospel of God, as emphasized here, is the entire revelation of God, Christ, the Spirit, and the purpose of God presented in the book of Romans. Thank you, Ron. Let's join Witnessly as we get into this life study from Romans chapter 16. Up to now, to this point, I would say Paul's concept is being covered. But still, this writer was too deep. He still lacked to show us something real as a kind of practical examples. But he didn't do it in a doctrinal way. He did it in a very, very experiential, practical way. From verse 14, chapter 15, to the end of the book. This is the wonderful conclusion of this book. A long conclusion. Paul wrote 13 epistles. In no other epistle he had such a long conclusion. I don't think any other writer would do this in this way. But Paul was wise and he was deep. He knew that he still needed to write the ultimate consummation of God's gospel. And the ultimate consummation of God's gospel is just the practical church life. And for him to write anything on the practical church life was not so good in a doctrinal way. So he did it in a very, very practical way. In this conclusion, there's no doctrine. Right? Nothing doctrinal. What he mentioned in this section was altogether some kind of experiences, some kind of uh, practices. Everything is practical and experimental. He told us he had a desire to go to Spain. If you look at the map, he started preaching from Jerusalem and he preached over to the uh, remote place, Eurydicum, and then he was expecting to go to the west part of the earth. Spain was the very other part of Europe. And he told us he was also burdened to help the saints in Jerusalem or in Judea, which was supplied by the saints in Achaia and Macedonia, that means the Gentile believers were burdened to help the Jewish saints with material possessions. And then he also told us so many other things. Eventually, he greeted this one, he greeted another one, he greeted another one, he greeted that one, and that one. I tell you, Chapter 16, a whole chapter is for greetings. 
I just admire Paul. He had such a good memory. All the names with all their particular characteristics. It's marvelous. Ron, I think that we see something absolutely marvelous about the Apostle Paul in this first portion. Here we have one of the great books of biblical truth and doctrine. And at its conclusion, rather than getting into the top of the doctrine, there's absolutely no doctrine here at all. Just a personal greeting from Paul to all these believers that he names by name. The fact that all of these saints were so much in his heart in this kind of intimate way really reveals quite a lot, doesn't it? It reveals much concerning Paul's person, the kind of servant of the Lord he was, and how churches and believers were in his heart. In a very specific way, he named believer after believer. Quite often, he identified a certain characteristic And he also spoke five times of churches, referring to local churches, which are the expressions of the body of Christ recovered in chapter 12. So here in these greetings, we have an unveiling of the experiential side and the practicality side of this epistle. What we have here. In the conclusion, the consummation of the whole book is a very vivid presentation of how everything revealed in this epistle is lived out through the Apostle Paul and through believers such as Phoebe, who is called a patroness, whom Paul honored very much because of her marvelous service to the church and to other saints. And he spoke of Aquila and Priscilla, who risked their necks for the church and for the apostles' ministry. So when we touch the spirit of this conclusion and are enlightened by the proper exposition, we see something touching, precious, experiential, and practical. We see that the consummation of the gospel of God in Romans is the churches, local churches, one per city, as expressions of the unique, universal, organic body of Christ. Thank you, Ron. That's helpful. There's such a sweet and satisfying taste that seems to be permeated throughout these verses. You get the feeling this is something that is also satisfying to the Lord. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for more of our life study from the book of Romans. I really like chapter 16 because the churches are here. What was the way this writer mentioned the churches? The number one way, he said, I commend to you a sister, our sister Phoebe, who was a deaconess at the church at St. Crea, a searching one. And he gave a high appreciation of this dear sister. He even called her a patroness, 
serving others at any price, with any cost. I tell you, brother, this means when we <laughs> mean business with the Lord in the church life, first of all, we have to serve the church. We have to take care of the church at any price, with any cost. If we don't have such a heart to take care of the church, I tell the truth, we are not worthy to practice the church life. To practice the church life, number one, we have to serve the church. Just like Sister Phoebe. You know, a patroness is one that is always standing beside of you, taking care of ever your need, serving you, cherishing you, nourishing you, taking care of you in any kind of need. This is why Paul firstly mentioned the church in this way. Then secondly, he mentioned the church in a way to have our neck risked. That means we have to run a risk at our life for the church life. Aquila and Priscilla. Priscilla was the wife. Aquila was the husband. They paid the price at the cost of the life, not for only one church, but for the churches. My, the churches in the gentle world, all were grateful to them because they paid the price of their life for the churches. Brothers, don't think Paul mentioned this just carelessly without a purpose. Surely, I believe, he indicated that if we mean business for the Lord's church, we have to risk our life for the church. We are willing to pay the price at the cost of our life for the churches. Not only for one church, but for the churches. Not only so. The third time the church is mentioned in this chapter is that a church in the house of this good couple. You see, on the one hand, they were for all the churches, but on the other hand, they were particularly for one local church. When they were in Ephesus, you know, they had the church in their home. When they were in Rome, they had the church in their home. To have a church in the home, you have to know the burden is too heavy. It's too heavy. It's too troublesome. But this couple, they didn't care for anything but the church life. They were absolute for the church life. Then the fourth time, Paul all of a sudden said, the church is of Christ. Paul did this surely with a purpose. Regardless, the church in this place, in that place, in your tongue, in my tongue, all the churches must be the churches of Christ. It is not the church of you. It is not the church of me. It got to be the churches of Christ. Greet one another. The churches of Christ are great you. Okay. The last time the church is mentioned, in the way of hospitality, the more hospitality you have, the more church life you have. Guess was not only a host of one apostle, but he was the host of so many 
even of the whole church. I rather believe so many dear saints, nearly probably everybody traveled through his home. Everyone stayed there. Eventually, his home is just the ancient hotel. He took in all the saints. Praise the Lord. The real church life depends upon hospitality. Okay, Ron, let's stop here in fellowship. Paul gives us five particular items that must be part of any genuine practice of the New Testament church life. Give us your thought about any or all of these items. Well, one of these items is Paul's loving concern and his faithful ministry of the riches of Christ to the nations, that is, to the Gentiles, among whom he was an apostle. And the response to his ministry to them was that they participated in Paul's loving concern for the suffering saints and the suffering churches in Judea. So here you have Gentile believers caring for in a loving way for Jewish believers that they have not seen. Then another aspect is Paul's assurance. He's now addressing the church in Rome, which met in the house of Aquila and Priscilla. He said this. It's a marvelous word. It's a unique utterance. He said, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Paul is not boasting. He is just transparently, genuinely, and honestly testifying of his person and his work. In order for Paul to say, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ, indicates that he himself was the recipient of such blessings. And so, he is able to transmit these blessings. Then there is a wonderful portion in chapter 16, verse 20. Paul is again addressing a local church, the church in Rome, I say again, that met in the house of Aquila and Priscilla, Paul said that God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And your feet refers to the feet, we may say, of the church as the local expression of the body of Christ. So the church life, full of the riches of Christ, full of the loving concern, full of the blessing of Christ, is a church life that experiences the crushing of Satan under their feet. No isolated, independent believer, however spiritual she or he may be, cannot be the means for the crushing of Satan. 
This is not a matter of a so-called spiritual hero or giant. This is a church matter. So what a picture we have in these three aspects I've briefly mentioned of a wonderful, blessed, delightful, real, and practical church life. Thank you, Ron. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of our life study. So practical. Five items about the church. Number one, to serve the church. Number two, to risk your life at the church. Number three, to have the church in your home. And number four, never keep the church your church. It got to be the church of Christ. Then extend your hospitality to everyone in the church. Be a host to all the church. Praise the Lord. Here we have the churches. Could you see the crucial indication that in the greetings, Paul indicated the proper church life. Not only one church, but the churches. And the churches at localities. And in his greetings, you could see not only the churches in the localities, but also the details of the church life expressed through so many saints in their attributes and virtues. Praise the Lord. Paul surely left with us a full picture of the proper ancient church life. Amen. So, the ultimate consummation of the gospel is what? The practical church life. In this book, you do not have the doctrine of the church, but you do have the practicality of the church life. I say again, what you saw in chapter 1. Sinners, evil ones, condemned. But now what you see in chapter 16. Churches, glorious. The churches. My goodness, how could those dirty, vile sinners become all glorious churches? Through the process. In between of chapter 1 and chapter 16, you have the long process. The process of redemption, justification, sanctification, glorification, even the process of selection and transformation. Praise Lord. Through the long process, we, all the ex-sinners, now are the glorious churches. So holy, so practical. We all have to read the last three verses as a real melody. A real melody to our Savior, to our God. I call it melody. Just a little word about this melody. Now to him who is of power to establish you. Everything has been accomplished. What you need is to be kept, is to be established. And he is of power to establish you according to my teachings, according to my good doctrines, no, according to my gospel, and according to the preaching of Jesus Christ. 
and according to the revelation of the mystery. What mystery? It is a mystery both includes the mystery of God, which is Christ, and the mystery of Christ, which is the church. The revelation of the mystery, which has been kept in silence in times of the past, but now has been manifested to the only wise God, to Jesus Christ, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God is called, by these terms, the God of endurance and encouragement, the God of hope and the God of peace. And now, the eternal God, the only wise God, hallelujah. God is such a God. And this gospel is the gospel of such a God, which consummates at uh, the practical church life. Ron, I have to say, what a consummation and a conclusion of the gospel of God by Witness Lee. It began with condemned sinners and concludes not with the doctrine of the church, but with a practical church life, the kind of church life where Satan is crushed under the feet of the saints and Christ is dispensed and God is glorified. Ron, how do we have such a church life? Is it even possible to have such a church life? I answer this with a strong yes, amen, for two reasons. One is, it's revealed in the book of Romans. There it is, lived out. And that is possible when we have the full 16 chapters of Romans. We don't stop at chapter 4, like Calvinists might do, or stop in chapter 6, where inner life people might do, or stop at chapter 12, where those who theorize concerning the body of Christ may do. We have the working out of all that proceeds. The second matter is that for more than 52 years, personally, I have been living, experiencing, and serving in the kind of church life Paul describes in Romans 16. So this is real by revelation and real by actual practice. Ron, I want to thank you for your fellowship today. As I said, we have more programs from the book of Romans to come. Your fellowship has been a real important part of our life study thus far, and I look forward to your coming back again when you can. The same with me, my brother. And thank you also for joining us. The toll-free number is 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Join us again for another Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. For Ron Kangas, I'm Matt Miller. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Did you know that you can now enjoy the writings of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee on your PC or Mac, tablet, e-reader, or smartphone? Just go to lsm.org slash ePublications to find out more. Again, 
That's lsm.org slash ePublications. And thanks for listening today.